This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion, two-time NCAA champion, and his wife calls me one of Craig's best friends. It's Craig Ludwig. Oh, How are you, my oh friend? did she text you that or something? No, I just made that up because I wanted to feel good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wanted to feel good. So I'm like, man, you know, I got to pump my tires every once in a while. This is every podcast yeah. I pump your tires. Yeah, you, so and you might saying, as well pump your own because I won't pump them. Well, that's what I, I was going to say. The tires are a little low today, buddy. Yeah. Oh, so, well, well, you can you can puff away all you want. Oh, jeez. <laughs> all right. So stars lose three to two, the Islanders and Craig, usually we talk like, you know, defense and got to pick up, you know, at the trade deadline, which I think we all think we need to strengthen the defense, but it's interesting in the last four games, they haven't scored more than two goals. So the offense is kind of sputtering a lot of posts hit, but at the same time, you know, got to put more in the net, right? Yeah. I mean, but, but I mean, at the end of the day, you, you've, they've proven that they're, you know, one of their, one of the top offensive teams in the league. I mean, I think in the teams that are in the playoffs right now, if you look at, at that, just that area there besides Vancouver, which I believe there's only a goal difference between them. Um, you know, as far as goals scored, they, they score goals, you know, that I, I don't, that, that, that top, nine you know again not everybody's healthy not a lot of teams are healthy right now i mean it's that time of the year but i i think dallas has proven all year long that they can score goals and and aren't they kind of you know from the standpoint of chemistry and all that other kind of stuff you know what their their lines are a little bit juggled here and there and you know now you've got you know you, you got i mean when you look at it, it is the absence of dodano starting to show up a little bit and um you know, and, and it's not, well, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, you got some key guys out and not that steel, Delandria, guys like that. Um, but I think uh, Pete DeBoer is, you know, trying to piece things together. And, you know, when you got a young line, like, you know, like they did with uh, Jamie's grandpa on that line, you know, with Wyatt and, and Logan Sankhoven, who, <laughs> by the way, was really good. You know you what like I mean? It? I'm just saying that their, their chemistry where I think where, <clears throat> where Pete was able to just you know, who's up next, who's up next, you know, now you got to do a little, a little shuffling and, yeah. and, but there's a lot of teams. It, it happens all the time. I mean, it happens during the course of the season at one point or another. And if it's going to happen, you'd prefer for it to happen with, you know, 20 to 30 games to go in the season than, you know, five or 10. Yeah. I love his scrappiness in front of the net. 
meaning Stankoven. Oh, well, I'll give you a comparison. Oh, good, because I, I have one for you, too. Well, it's probably better I hear yours because it's probably wrong, so go ahead. No, I mean, you know, kind of a different player, but Brendan Gallagher. Oh, my God, you are so right. Hands down, uh, exactly. Brendan Brendan Gallagher is 5'9", 180. Stankhoven, as they say, 5'8", 170. Gallagher is pretty, probably a little bit more of a shit disturber. Yes. Um, but when you want to talk about hanging around the front of the net, and and having the willingness to awesome. go there and stay there and you know they're both uh, just from the from looking at them and their uniform especially Stankov and they're they're built like little fire hydrants they are. i have no idea what you know i don't know what they're like without the gear on but i will tell you for from a defenseman standpoint a, a lot of times when you play against a bigger guy at least you have something to grab onto and you have something to kind of move and when you have a smaller guy that will get down in that, let's just call it that three-point stance where, you know, he's using his stick for, you know, some leverage on the ice, they're hard to move. And when you try to move them with a stick on their back, it rolls up their back because you're really starting at their back. You know, you're starting just above, below their shoulders to try to get some leverage to move them, and especially in today's game. And and the other thing that they do, what, what Stankoven does so well is he rolls off of checks. He goes into corners, and and that's the same thing that any you know he's quick, obviously, uh, with the the speed and stuff like that, um, the quickness, I would say. And he go you go into a corner with him, and he can stop on a dime. And yeah. then as a defenseman, you know you you have to have the proper angle with him because he can he gets down low, he, he t- tight turns, and he can roll he can roll you off his off his back shoulders so but that's that's a great comparison it's the gate the the same guy that i had and i was looking him up and you know and for gallagher and uh i think it was when he was a rookie i mean his numbers were 24 and 43 yeah you know he had 57 points which you would say that stank holden and that was in 57 games i think it is yeah so anyway um you know maybe from stats standpoint but but yeah they're similar they're similar players and there's no quit in them. And I think it's that, I think we used to call it the little man syndrome, you know, and, and they just always have a burr up their ass and they're proving that they can do play or whatever, uh, despite, you know, their, their stature. Yeah. You know, I think the issue for Gallagher has just been injury. Um, well, that's because, yeah. but, but see that if Stankhoven would play that, I mean, but the, but Gallagher's injuries have come from being in front of the net. I mean, when you think of him, he's gotten hit with so many pucks standing in front of the net and and being that net front presence guy, which is where he collects his goals and his points. So there's a there's a price to be paid. And, you know, and again, it, it obviously it's a little bit different in the American League and juniors. And, and, and when you get into the NHL, you know, there's bigger guys you have to battle against, obviously. And the shots coming from the point are a little bit heavier. And so, but if you make your living there, you make your living there. And that's what, that's what Gallagher has done. And like I said, I mean, he, he's paid the price for sure with as many games as he's missed, but, but, you know, and again, I, I don't see, I think Stank Stankhoven is probably a very similar player and he, he is uh, understood how he is going to play in the NHL level at, at the NHL level. With, with that same grit and determination to get to the front of the net and hang around the front of the net. I mean, it. there's so many players that you see 
that get there, but then they glide out of the the good area of the of the ice in front of the goaltender. He he doesn't. He stops and stays there. And but then he's got the quickness to when the puck goes into the corner, he can hop right in there and get on the get on the puck also. You know what I really like too, Craig? Two games drawing two penalties. I know that a goal and an assist is awesome, mm-hmm. but two straight games with some net front presence causing some pe- pes- peskiness that has put the Stars on the power play because the Stars traditionally have not been a team that draws a lot of penalties. Well, they, <clears throat> it's funny. I'm, I'm looking at stuff with our U18s coming up for next week, and it's it's because that they have a different way that they play on the power play. They they have guys that can move the puck around, and, and just, for instance, the team that we're going to be playing, they're going to be hard to play against because they have – they take a guy that's really a position defenseman player and he's got size and they plant him in front of the net. And now you have to find a different way um, to play against them defensively. And for Dallas, there's movement and there's quickness and there, you know, they can, they can put pucks through a little seam to the back door and they've got guys that are, have good one timers, you know, from going cross ice and getting that shot from the, from the dot. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're more in and out. And, and you, the guy that probably has the most consistent um, net presence for the stars is not the biggest, not the youngest, <laughs> probably Joe Pavelski, you know, and, and Joe hangs around the front of the net, but with Joe, he doesn't really battle the defenseman as much as he has to, but his, his strength obviously is being able to, to tip a puck. So from a defenseman standpoint, a lot of times you have to play that guy a little bit different because you know his stick is so good and so dangerous, and you have to get yourself on the right side of that body in order to get his stick up up off the ice or be able to control it. So, And then a lot of times what that does is once he gets, you know, with, with the way Pavelski is, you, you've got to kind of play off his right side when he's facing the shooter mm-hmm. and to be able to, to get his stick, especially if you're an offside, a left-handed defense. But anyway, then what'll happen is Joe knows he's off my right shoulder. So I can spin to my left. And now all of a sudden he spins and he's got the defenseman on the outside looking in. In other words, he's between the defenseman and the goaltender. And he's in that area where he collects those rebound goals all the time. You know, we've seen two straight games where I think, We've seen players in the opposition that aren't talked about as far as like big time NHL circles in Sebastian Ajo in Carolina, just because the teams are, you don't see them a lot. And the New York Islanders, Craig, last week, I'm sorry, last night, Matthew Barzell played 25 minutes, 17 seconds for a forward. And you look at his last five games, 25-17, 22-57, 20-31, 22-06. Patrick Waugh is using himself some Matthew Barzell. That was established in game one. Game one, that Patrick behind the bench, the Islanders had a lead. And um, they kept rolling their top line out there. And they kept rolling Matthew Barzell out there. Where they would traditionally go with like third or fourth line guys, you know, like the Clutterbuck line. And and really what Patrick has basically said without saying it is my top guys are going to play. I mean, I, I mean, Patrick was the very first guy in the NHL to pull his goaltender when he was down by a couple goals with seven minutes to go in the third period. Yes. Like, again, that's a junior thing, but he's like, well, what the hell? If it worked in junior, why not try it here? And so now – look at how many teams have, have, you know, followed that, that lead and how many teams are pulling goalies now with three minutes to go, four minutes to go in a period down two goals, pulling them with sick. I mean, you never used to see that. 
So Patrick had that influence. And, and really what by pulling your goalie with that much time on it, you're showing that you trust your your best offensive guys. You're you're the guys we have to lean on. And if we've got a lead and and it's a one goal game, why wouldn't I put my best guys on the ice that can hit that empty net? Is there a better chance of a, a top three or four forward hitting the net 150 feet away or your fourth liner? You know, I, I mean, again, I, they may third and fourth line guys may argue with that, but they just have, they have a knack for the net. They have a nose for the net. They don't have to see the net as often as, as somebody else does. They just, they know where they on the, you know, where they're on the ice, how they turn, where they spin, where they let the puck go from the hundred and some feet away. <clears throat> so that, that's what he's doing. He's saying, this is my, this is my best offensive player. And, you know, and when you, when, when you coach in the queue in the Quebec major league mm-hmm. um, in juniors, that's the that's the league where offense is off the chart. Yes. And that's where guys typically come out of that level of junior hockey and you see some crazy offensive numbers. So and then there's a couple other uh the CHL, <clears throat> you know, and, and those other leagues where they play a little bit more heavy, a little more defense and and so I would say that that Patrick probably I mean that's where maybe a lot of his base comes from as far as coaching is like, man, I feel better scoring six goals than I do scoring three goals as a goaltender. Probably when I, you know, when I was in the net, I'd rather have six goals, you know, on my side versus two goals on my side. Yeah. Cause that means they're only a goal behind from pulling the, the, the goalie, you know, at the end, when you get down to the end of the game. So I, I think Patrick's philosophies are a little bit, and he may be the perfect guy for the New York Islanders uh, because we know how lose Lamarillo, uh, the general manager, He's been a a stingy, um, defense first, yes, uh, regimented kind of a, a general manager. All of his teams have done that, and again, he's won what three Stanley Cups because of it. So maybe you know because the game has changed, and, and maybe by him bringing in a guy like Patrick and turning that over to him, maybe that's Lou's way of saying. I I'm, I'm eventually have to change with the times. I mean, I'm 83 years old or whatever Lou is, but, but it's time to change. Yeah. 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 They certainly, it's one of those teams where you watched last night and you're like, how is this team not more in the wild card picture? Um, you know, kind of, uh, fascinating. Okay. I- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What is your player's perspective in that, you know, a rough back-to-back, you have the Islanders at home, you just came off the road, and you've pointed out that that first home game is like another road game, and now all of a sudden you're back on a plane and you're going to that thin air of Colorado for a very important game. I mean, we're talking a four-point swing, and then you have Winnipeg on Thursday. So in a back-to-back game, Duchesne was mentioning it after the game. Pete DeBoer mentioned it after the game. We know what's ahead of us with Colorado. Does something need to be said in the room? Does that, even though, you know, every game's important, every game you can get two points, Craig, like how does the team amp up for games like tonight and games like Thursday where it really can, if you sweep, you know, it can win you the division. 
Well, there you go. I mean, as far as motivation, you know where you are. I mean, do you not want to, as of right now, want to make sure that you're staying in the number one spot and and win, yes. let Winnipeg go ahead and face Colorado yes. in the first round? You know, so and, and again, on a quick turnaround, there's less time to think. I mean, you're tired after the game, you're on the plane, and then you're going to get into the room, you're going to hopefully fall asleep, and then you're going to have a meeting probably this morning at 10 o'clock, not a lot of, not a lot of guys that go on the ice, go back, get something to eat, and play the game. And, and generally, that that um, altitude stuff kicks in more on the second day than, than it does on the first day. So, um, but again, uh, look at Colorado's not playing their best. I mean, they're 3-5-2 no. in their last 10 games. Yes. So it's not like they're playing great either. I mean, you look at the top three teams in there, Winnipeg is the one probably that's only got a couple games over 500 in their last 10 games. So, uh, but they know what's on the table. And then, and the motivation is, is to be able to, again, stay, stay, stay ahead of the, you know, stay ahead of Winnipeg. So the motivation is there. Uh, and then also your both teams are going to be trying to set setting a tone because you don't know who's going to play who in the first round. Mm-hmm. You're, you're starting to get you're getting closer to, to getting into the teens, which which is now you start getting there's a different feeling once you get into the teens because you know that the playoffs are right around the corner, and and your main goal from a coaching standpoint is let let's get our game in shape, in gear, in form that we're going to play. Oh, again, this is the way we would do it is our game. I'm not really concerned with all, with the exception of a few little details, how we're going to play against our opponent. It's going to be about how we play. And I think they've already established that. I mean, we know that Dallas is a, they, they their, their MO is to be a up tempo fly. Let's go. Let's score some goals. That that's who they are. And, um, you know, and again, I'll go back to the little tiny details, even in the overtime goal last night or the, you know, that, that one, there was a coverage, you know, Horvat's yep. wide open. Jamie, 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 Ben got attracted to the puck carrier Yep, and he takes a half a step in Horvat's right there and boom, it's over again. It's not like they, they, they got their point. They got a point out of it. That's the good news. And they didn't lose a point to a, a team in the Western conference. You know, I mean, that only helped. Uh, the Islanders, as far as their, their race to try to get into the playoffs. So, um, you know, and again, uh, neither team, I think as far as the game goes tonight, feel that they're playing at their best right now. And and Dallas knows that they have some key people out, some important people, regardless of where they play in the lineup. Um, You know, and and you got to lean on your goaltender sometimes. Right. So um, like I said, Jake's, I said this last time, you know, I, Jake is one of the top goaltenders in the league, but he's got to continue to work on his game. And, and he's probably, I mean, if the, if the stars have what 20, what do they have 20 games left, 22 games left or something like that, I, I would be thinking that you're looking at Jake, you know, man, I, I would say he's going to play 15 of them or somewhere in there. And I'm sure they're going to gauge that depending on the opponent, the rest, but they're going to do everything they can to get Jake, you know, at his best. We talk about the altitude, and you said that in back-to-back, it doesn't kick in like if you had an extra day in Colorado. What about the time change? And I know these are simple questions, but, I mean, I, I'm just wondering from a player perspective. like It's only an hour. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, and, and you look at it, it no, I, the time change doesn't matter. Okay. I, I, it's... I, I don't think it ever matters. I mean, when time changes matter for me is when we go out East and typically it was, it was Philly or the Rangers and you're playing a noon game like that. That's ridiculous. You know? So, but, to, and these guys, listen, when, when you're, when you're done playing and you get on your, your plane, your luxury plane with 
sushi and everything on there and your big old seats, you're not ready to shut it down anyways. I mean, you're even when you go home, if you're in Dallas, you're not you're not going to shut it down a lot of times till one, two o'clock in the morning. So they hop in a plane, their adrenaline's still going. They're going to land. They're going to get on the bus. Or they're still going. And, you know, they're going to get to the hotel. And maybe that's about the time they read, you know, it's the time to get in where you're going to, you know, start, start kind of decompressing the way it is anyways, after a game. So, you know, and then they'll let them sleep in or what, like I said, typically they'd probably have a meeting. They might not even go to the rink today. They might have a meeting right at the hotel and, you know, they'll have their pregame meal and then they'll be back up in the room by one o'clock and do whatever they do, whether they rest for a couple hours and be ready to go. So they've been doing this for a long time. So they kind of know how to handle it. And I, I don't look at an hour difference being a, being a big deal, especially the way they travel. Now, the only, the only time really, I think is, you know, when you're, you're, you're out there in Vancouver and San Jose and all that other kind of stuff where it seems to, and then you have to go from there and you have to take that trip all the way across the country and then play out on the East coast, which yeah. doesn't happen too often, but when it does, it's, it's ridiculous. I was watching the game last night and the stars obviously are very good in front of the net as far as tips. Um, but as they were working their way around the power play, I said to myself, you know, I missed the slap shot from the point. And we've kind of touched on this, but I wanted to get your thoughts as a former defenseman. I'm guessing it's because of the age of block shots. You don't want it going the other way and that crazy bounces that slap shots can, you know. But, I mean, I always felt as though the slap shot creates rebounds. In other words, like that first goal last night where Duchesne had that empty net, that's because it was a quality shot on net and there's no way that the goalie could control it. Therefore, Duchesne in the right place at the right time. You know, I would love to see, you know, more of that. I understand the wrist shots and the tips, but I miss the slap shot. I think it can create some good offensive rebound opportunities. Well, that that slap shot that you're that that shot that you're talking about did not come from the middle of the ice till last night for Duchesne's goal. It came from the uh, the left side, didn't yeah. it? I think that's where it. Yeah. So yeah. that because <clears throat> the reason that you don't see a lot of point shots is it on the power play is because that the structure from the defensive team is so good. You can't get the puck to let's just say it's Miro on the top of that diamond, and and it comes from Harley or it comes from Duchesne or or whoever would be on the or, or Robo. Very rarely can that shot get through because the way that they play a diamond or the way that they force, they always take the middle away, whether it's the defenseman in front of the net or it's going to be the high guy. There's always somebody in that shooting lane. So that's why you see a lot of things, you know, get get, get to the point, get to the sides, and then it goes through the box or something like that, and you can get them moving and you can open up lanes. But but even if even if it's down on the half wall and it comes out to the point in the middle, there's already somebody waiting there because you're you're taking away – certain areas of the ice you're trying to go with the lower percentage shots and so if you can keep them coming from the perimeter and yes that's where the rebounds occur but again a lot of times a defenseman or a forward when you play a diamond they're coming out in that shooting lane when it gets to the half walls so that's the whole thing about penalty kill and a lot of teams now it's not like it used to be where it's just kind of stand in your spots and be there and and try to block shots. They still try to block every single shot, but it's it's movement. They they they're they're not standing still. There's the pressure you go and you take time and space away. And and you have to as a penalty killer, it's like if you took a rope and you tied it to all four players. And mm-hmm. so when one guy goes, the they next go. guy goes. Okay. The next guy goes, the next guy goes. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean Shapiro uh wrote 
uh, yesterday, he talked about, I understand everyone wants, you know, a defenseman, but what if we got both defensemen from the same team? And I wanted to ask you trade deadline stories as far as a defenseman coming into the room. Did you have to play with someone fresh and what kind of adjustment has to be made? And I thought it was interesting as far as getting the actual pair, put them on the second line as far as defensive pairings, and then move Essa Lindell and Ryan Suter down to the third pairing. And so I think that would really help your defensive corpse. Because I think, me personally, I think one move defensively, I don't know if that takes me over the top. Okay, so can you ask Sean Shapiro, the the, the future general manager of the Bantam team here in Dallas, where is he getting the money for the cap space to grab a number three and number four defenseman? I will ask him mm-hmm. and I will <laughs> I mean, answer. That's a dream. Isn't that a, 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 yes. a, a, what you'd call a pipe dream? I mean, I don't know how you can get a number three, number four from the same team without giving up a boatload. Yes. And, and why, why would a team give up their number three and four? Because typically a number three and four, you're, you're saying that you're a number three and four, whereas if our number two gets hurt, we're, we can easily move our three into number two. It's, I think the top four defensemen are, are so important for every single team. I don't care what level it is. Five and six, especially in the NHL, I mean, <clears throat> it depends on where games are, but all you have to do is look at the minutes played. I mean, it'll tell you who they think five and six are and then over the course of the year you know they're going to average what i don't know 12 13 minutes where other guys are averaging you know the one and twos are are averaging what 23 24 and then your three and fours are like 18 19 to 20 yeah so how how do you give away a number three and four defenseman not give away not give away but again so has to be what what is Essa what is Essa making this year? About five million. What is Hockenpah making? About two or three, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no idea. So so now all of a sudden you want to try to find you know that cap space right there. And again, it's got to be body for body. You know, so you don't have the cap space just to bring them in. So you're going to have to move six million, seven million, eight million dollars out. Who do you suggest that you're going to move $8 million worth? Well, it warms my heart that you're talking cap. It really does. Because <laughs> it's usually. You should me. wear a cap. You it, probably need to wear a cap. Yeah, you know, I do wear caps on the weekends. Absolutely. But, yeah. you know, I, I love that you're talking salary cap with me. My point last night after the game, because I love the thought, but my thought was, you know, he was talking about Philadelphia. And Sean Walker. And I know, like, wherever you go, he's a top trade target. And I don't understand why more people aren't talking about Philadelphia is currently third in the Metro. They're a playoff team. And I got a little tighter last night, but yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. But, Greg, this team has not been in the playoffs for three years. The last time they made the playoffs was a COVID year, so there was no attendance. So if I'm... Spectrum slash Comcast or whatever you want to call their ownership group. I understand Danny Briere is new and he's rebuilding, but I kind of want that playoff gate. And by the way, you're in the same town as the Eagles, the Phillies, and the 76ers. So you're the fourth team in town. I think showing up in the playoffs is actually pretty good as far as trying to, 
you know, rile up that Flyers fan base. So what is your point? How my, did we my, get my to Sean is, Walker? Because my point is that's that's who Sean wanted. He wanted the second pairing from Philadelphia. My my point is the following is is that everyone's talking about Sean Walker, and yes, I think it would be a nice fit here. He's an unrestricted free agent after this year, and I think he would help the Stars' defense. But if I'm Philly, why am I giving him up if I am have the potential to be in the playoffs? It's not like the Capitals and Jersey are coming quick. Well, the reason that you may give that player up or may not is this is not about one year at a time. This this plan of having Torts come in there and be the head coach who's obviously done an unbelievable job. Yes. He usually does wherever he goes. I would say he's probably got to be a candidate for coach of the year. But this is long term. This isn't like about this year for them. I mean, are they going to get by the Boston Bruins, the Florida Panthers, the Leafs? Are they getting by the Rangers, Carolina? I mean, is that realistic? Uh, so why, again, to, to say that Philly's going to give up their three and four, like that's kind of a, that's a foundation. That, that I mean, everybody's looking for a three and four. So you believe in a three and four. Do you think they're going to, whether they're going to sign Walker or not, I have no idea. I'm, I'm just saying like, if you believe in the process that your organization has, uh, now, now if you're going to tell me that, num- that you're looking, they're looking at giving up their their fifth and sixth, okay, but a three and four, I don't, you know, you must have some someone waiting in the wings that's a twenty year old kid that you right. think can step in and play, yeah, yeah, and play those minutes as an NHL defenseman to where generally whoever made this up, it's kind of close, but. Until you play 200, 250, some odd games, do you really learn how to play that position and be good at it? So you're going to give up those guys. So you must think that maybe your five and six can play three and four minutes. Obviously not because they're not. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you just have you have to sit down and you have your conversation internally and go, okay, where are we at? Where do we think we're realistically at? How many years are we away from where the Dallas Stars are, where the Colorado is, where Boston is, where Florida is, where the Leafs hope to be, where you're at? The Rangers are there as far as cup contenders. Yeah, you know, and again, it's about it. it at the, I think they all well, they're, they're all going to go to cap friendly to start with. You know, how do we make this work? Right. Yeah. Best website ever invented. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I don't even so know if that's good. what it's called anymore, but no, that's it what is. it used to be called. It is. Okay. It is such a but good I mean, site. To, in today's game, you know, you know that they don't go, man, this guy would, man, we got to, we got to figure out how we're moving. No, what they do, the first thing they do is go, okay, our guy's making 6 million. The guy we want's making 6 million. Okay. That might work, but they're going to want more because they're moving them out. So they, I mean, it's, it's not really up to the team that wants them. It's the team that's giving them away. What am I getting back? Yeah. I mean, I already got it. He's a, I, we like him, you know, and we're going to try to resign him or whatever it may be. But, but I, I don't, you think that the team that is giving up a player sometimes have more leverage than the other one. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you're the flyers, you, if you're Daniel Briere, you absolutely know the stars need defensive help. And you can simply say to the stars, I appreciate that. I will listen to offers, but I have five other teams calling about him. So you need to give me your best offer. This can't be negotiation. That's how I'd play it. Yeah, but they're that's not how it works. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we won't negotiate with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I knew God. I wasn't an NHL GM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that's, that's not, funny. Not the way it works. We're, we're talking about trades, and Chris Barnard at CBarnard82 brings up a good point. The other day, you and Craig were talking about Eric Cole and how trading him brought uh, Dallas Matias Yanmark. Interesting facts. Matias Yanmark wasn't the primary target. It was Bachman, a defenseman nil-like from Detroit system. Number two, the conditional third-round pick turned into a second-round pick, and that second-round pick is Rupe Hintz. Okay, let's just start here. That's not exactly what they went in thinking this is how this is going to play out. You seriously think that somebody said, okay, this is exactly how this is going to play out. How do do they know, first off, how do they know that this player that you got in the draft is going to be available? No, I'm just saying like, (laughs) I'm I'm saying like. I mean, you can do this with all of these trades. All of these trades you guys talk about and how this panned out. Then we got a third round pick. Then it it turned into that guy that we traded for this guy. And then five years later. We got this pick, and we got that player with it because we love oh, to on. play. We love to play GM, Craig. Yep, keep playing. <laughs> Podcast. I, I mean, you, I'm just, I, I wanted it, you to pump like, my tires. It's like today. they turn. It's it's like people turn certain GMs into geniuses if they had this crystal ball, or maybe they're friends with I Dream a Genie because I don't know how the hell they would know three years down the road when you don't know where you're going to get this pick and you made three trades and you got two players and you traded one of them for, for a bag of pucks and that turned into a bus. And then all of a sudden they get this guy that we moved to this guy and this GM was drinking and he was high at the time when I called him. And then we ended up with the third overall pick. I'm just saying like Chris points out that it was a third that moved up to second. I'll give you another example. When Yarmir Yarger was traded to, Boston, and it was a second, which turned into a conditional. It was a conditional one, turned into a one. The stars. And the condition is they probably had to advance yeah, Western to the semifinals Conference finals. or something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I mean. How do you know that? Well, I, I'm just saying. <laughs> How did they know that their number turn- one goalie wasn't going to break his foot? <laughs> Next thing you know, you got got some kid you got to call up the minors. A conditional. And it wasn't Steve thing. Penny. No. It t- yeah. <laughs> turned out it was uh, Jason Dickinson. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, well, wasn't Jason Dickinson taken first uh, first pick by Dallas? He was taken in the first round, yes. Oh, but that was Dallas's first pick. I don't think it was. Right? See, now you're going to make me Google. Oh, well, I mean, don't you know all this stuff? I thought I thought Dicky was the first pick for for the Dallas Stars in whatever year that draft was. I don't really know, but is that true or not? No. As I can hear the keyboard going. No, you can't hear nothing, and it is going. And I'm pulling <laughs> it. Up, I'm pulling it up right now. So. This is the awkward silence that we have sometimes on podcasts as Craig makes me search these things. I'm not making you search it. I figured it'd be when you bring it up, you'd already know it. Well, I'm telling you, I don't think it was. Okay. Well, he then would, you tell me who that Dallas had two, two first round picks that year. He was, yes, he was number 29. What? Yes. Okay. Yes. Pump my tires. He was number 29. Taken 10 that year was a guy named Valeri Nichushkin. Which turned out a pretty good player after he left Dallas. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now those things aren't going so well for him. He was just cleared to return. I don't think he'll be ready to go. But yeah, I I, I agree. And by oh, the they're going to be ready to go. You, you just Nichushkin... just like a couple guys in Vegas by the name of Mark Stone and Jack Eichel are going to be ready to go when playoffs. Come oh, you know, I understand that. I'm just saying tonight. <laughs> I'm just saying tonight. He was just cleared yesterday. But so. did, 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 did has Jason Dickinson lived up to a number round one pick for in the round? No. 
which is really, let, let's just call him a it's, early second rounder. I mean, he's what, yeah. three picks away or whatever it is. He's had a good NHL career. He's having his best NHL yes. season. So good Absolutely. For him. Yeah. Very, very good, solid yeah. player. Yeah. And there were a but, lot that turned into solid players that don't. Radic Fox was drafted, I think, 12th overall. Yep. I mean, just didn't turn out to be the you know player that everyone expected. That said, good NHL player. But but he's a good player right now for for this team and Absolutely. in his role. Yeah. Even though you don't like to admit it because you've been trying to sewer him for the last three years. Okay. No, I've been trying to sewer the salary, and I'm justified on that. I am right on that. You can't tell me a fourth-line center is worth over $3 million. Well, then quit getting on Val. Get on the general manager that gave him the money. That gave Val the money or uh, gave I, – I do. I, I, oh, I, I mean – no, sorry. I mean I mean uh, Fox. Yes, yes. Abs- no, no, no. Yeah. I don't dog the player. No, no, no. I try, I try not to dog the player. Um, but but is, Dallas a, a, is Dallas a cup contender today? Yes. Well, let, let me put it this way. Is Dallas a cup contender when they were healthy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I will say and Foxa like, I, is a part of that of, of that dinner that you're making. Correct. Yes. Okay. Would would you complain about his salary if they win the Stanley Cup? Well, now you're your talking answer better about be conditional no. draft picks. You're saying they're gonna win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying it. I'm ju- I'm not saying that at all. Because no. just like Brian Burke says every week. He checked, and there's only one cup given out this year. So, so it's not like nobody knows, and you know. But, but the point is, is that he's part of the recipe that they believe in, and what they've done is they've gone out and they've gotten, when they're healthy, three lines that are can hurt you. Like if you're you're an opposing coach, you're like, okay, we we can't we know the Robertson hints line, right? But then all of a sudden you're like, who are we matching up against here? And then all of a sudden, when you need this penalty killed or you need this face off or it's at the end of the game and you decide you you need to put and you're up a goal and and the face offs in your end and you need a face off one, you typically will put out two centermen. So when one gets kicked out, you got another you got, you know, one B coming in Yeah. or you need a shot blocked or you need this. I, I think Fox has, fits into that category. And like I've said before, like you, you will almost always win the cup because of your best players, but you don't, you don't win it without the others, like without the Dave reads for us and Pat Verbeek and, sure. and Daryl Sador, all these guys that don't get mentioned, you know? So he's part of their, of the stars recipe. And at the time when they probably signed that contract to him, he had, you know, they, he was, we, we want him. He's a piece like that's a piece to the puzzle. And just because there's some radio station guy that doesn't like him doesn't mean that it's wrong. But again, at the end of the day, when some of these players end up getting contracts and they get $6 million a year for, for the next six years, don't blame him because there's somebody above him that offered him that deal. I never, bl- I never blame the player. I'm just saying it's a bad contract. But if you're asking my opinion, if, the stars are completely healthy. I'd rather see Ty Delandria in the lineup. Can Ty Delandria win an important faceoff? Can Ty, Ty Delandria block that shot? Yes. yes. Can Ty Delandria good on the kill? Uh, he can. He can do a lot of things. You're 100 percent right there. But there are things that 
that Fox uh, in their eyes adds to the to the to the soup. You know, Ty Delandria. <clears throat> I the more minutes he gets, the more you want him in the lineup, right? And I yes. think we already talked about this a month ago. Like, but but again, he knows the team that he's on, and he understands the the people that are ahead of him. And all he's done since he's gotten his opportunity to play is show that he shouldn't be taken out of the lineup when other people come back. That's what that's what it says to me. But a lot of times, the contract, right or wrong, dictates who's in and who's out. Yeah, absolutely. A very salty Craig Ludwig today, sir. I like this. <laughs> Coming off a of back-to-back, you know, setting the example, setting the tone for the room, going out, making a big check. Big defenseman's back. Yep, he's back. <laughs> been staring at my eyes are square. I've been staring at a computer since 5 o'clock this morning trying yeah. to figure out how we can beat some good teams in a week this and a half. This is why you now. should invite me over. I'll look at the tape. I'll analyze it, break it down for you. It's all good. No, then you'd know where I live. <laughs> That's a fair point, sir. I understand. <laughs> that might. <laughs> there, there's enough creepers in this neighborhood. We don't need one more. <laughs> Is that why you always ask me to meet you at third party? Locations? You got it. Where do you want to meet? <laughs> I never thought about it that way. <laughs> And it's going to be a certain distance away because yeah, that even yeah. even if you take a hound dog, it can't it can't find <laughs> home sometimes when it's far enough away. That's true. That's absolutely true. Well, sir, you have a great time breaking down film. Always appreciate your time, and uh, we will uh, we will talk to you uh, soon. I'll be looking forward to the next opportunity to speak with you. Do you want to make predictions? I mean, your predictions are spot on. Like if you're placing money where Craig is saying, like. This is what's going to happen. I mean, he's nailed it the last two weeks. They're going to go in here. They're going to lose. They're going to go in here and they're win. I mean, am I putting you on the spot? Do you just want to, this is a tough one because Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I do. I like Dallas tonight because they're again, I, I put games like this. Um, you're tired. You have to travel. It's not, like I said, not going cross country, had to travel. You have injuries. I think this is a good spot for Jake Ottinger to grab grab it and, and have you know have uh, make some key saves early in the game tonight. Keep keep Colorado off the board uh, on on a power play. If they get three four power plays, maybe they get one. But I think Jake outduels whoever they decide to put at the other end of the ice tonight. And, and Dallas plays one of those gritty, ugly, territorial kind of games where they make sure that they know the opponent that you're playing against and played last night. So you're going to spend more time at the other end of the rink and you, you limit turnovers through the neutral zone and at the offensive blue line. And, and you know, you, you, it, it's kind of an ugly game. And, and I don't think Dallas is that kind of a team that plays an ugly game, like a heavy game. But sometimes you just have to do things a little bit differently um, only because you may be a little, little low on gas. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> obviously the, the, the challenge is always going to be, um, regardless of the opponent, what happens below the tops of the circles in front of the net, um, in Dallas's zone, uh, for me because of coverage. But I, I just think that, um, Jake will be up for the task tonight. He, he always seems to be. He understands the opponent that he's playing against, and he seems to have a different level when you know there's there's some dangerous uh, people on the other side, and you know with McKinnon and you know 
Ranton and guys like that. There's some dangerous guys there. Dallas got to find a way to get to the net in the other end of the rink. They've got some good defensemen. Um, but you know, I, I can see this being like a, a one goal game. I can see, and I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. Yeah. I, I can see this being like a three, two, four to two game empty netter. Yeah. It'll be a good one uh, for those yep. that are going to watch it. It's on ESPN plus you are a beast, Mr. Ludwig. And uh, I will catch up with you soon. All right. Later. All right. Thanks everyone for supporting and listening to spits and suds. Just a reminder, we'll be on after the game. David Castillo from D magazine will join me and then we'll be back on uh, Thursday as well. Sean scheduled to join us on Friday. Busy week right here on spits and suds. Have a great day, everyone.